Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. All right, so you can see we're, we're in a new series starting today. Um, as we get in this new series, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the things that you desire in life. All right, just think about it for a minute. What do you desire? Now, the truth is, a lot of you, if I came up to you in the lobby and I asked you that question, a lot of you would tell me some really, really nice, very Christian-sounding desires. Some of you would be like, man, I just, Kellen, more than anything, I just want peace in the world. I'd be like, yeah, right. That's probably not. Some of you would be, you know, I just want my kids to be happy, to live for Jesus. Now, that one, I'll probably believe a little bit more than than the previous one. Some of you would be like, Kellen, I just, I just want to be a blessing to my family, to my friends, and my coworkers. Again, I'm not buying it. I'm just not, okay? Some of you would probably even go a step further and you'd be like, you know what, Kellen, I, I have everything I need. Mm-mm. See, I want, to get, I want to get you to like the, the meat of what do you really want. Some of you, if, it was, if, if you were getting to that spot, you'd be like, I just really want that new fast car. It looks awesome. All right, that one I could buy. Some of you might go this route. You know what? I want to be the best-looking person ever, and I want to marry the second best-looking person ever. It's okay. Some of you maybe would go to an even worse spot. I'm going to tell you, this is, this, is my worst, this is my worst spot right here that I'm about to tell you about. There is this thought that has creeped in my head once in a while, and I try to push it away. But the thought is, what if, what if maybe there was a really, 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 really distant relative that I don't know at all, who has a lot of money and would pass away and leave me a bunch? That's a sick, awful thought. I get it. But if you're talking like, when you're thinking through like the evil desires in your brain, that's what comes to my head. All right? Now, that reminds me actually of something that Steve Martin, great comedian, did a, a skit, a little skit on Saturday Night Live one time. And this skit was during the Christmas holiday season. And for the skit, he was sitting in a really comfy chair next to a Christmas tree. And it was just him in this skit. And here's how he started off. He said, if I had one wish that I could wish this holiday season, it would be for all the children of the world to join hands and sing together in the spirit of harmony and peace. If I had two wishes that I could wish for this holiday season, the first would be that all the children of the world to join hands and sing in the spirit of harmony and peace. And the second would be for $30 million a month to be given to me, tax-free in a Swiss bank account. By the time he gets to the fourth one, he starts off this way. He says, and if I had four wishes that I could make this holiday season, the first would be the crap about the kids. And then he goes on with the rest of it. And sometimes I go, that is, that is us. We, we say all the right things. We've got all these desires that sound really, really good. But the heart of it, the meat of it, my desires are really about me. My desires really are materialistic. They are for me first and me only. If we get to the heart of what's really in sometimes the darkness of our heart. And so this puts us in a weird spot because the passage that we're going to talk about today actually says that God gives us the desires of our hearts. So... Okay, what desires does God give us? Does God give us those, those kind of darker desires? 
And that's what we're doing, straight out of context. Uh, next four weeks, we're going to be talking through four passages that people use, and sometimes they use it for their benefit. They don't always use it in context. Now, I will say this. The things that, are being, that we're going to go over, yes, God said these things. But I think it's really, really important for us, anytime we look at Scripture, not to just take a Scripture, one line of it, and go, okay, here's, it means this big, huge thing. We need to look at the context. We need to figure out exactly, okay, what's God saying to us? So that's what we're going to do here in Psalm 37. We're going to start off with three, three verses, verses 3, 4, and 5. And after a little bit, we're going to kind of, we're going to expand from that and look at more of them. But Psalm 37, starting verse 3, it says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. All right, so let's take, the, let's take this at face value. At face value, it sounds like God is saying what you desire, he's going to give you. Now that, that brings up some difficulties because if, you if you've been following Jesus for very long, you're like, I have desires that have not been met. And so what, where does this put me in the context of this passage? This passage sometimes is used to justify the feelings that we have, that we have these rights that God is supposed to take care of us in, in this way and that way. And so then sometimes anger ensues when we don't see God doing those things. Uh, the aging single person gets a little bit angry at God, doesn't think that God is as good as maybe he's supposed to be because he hasn't done this one thing that I've been asking for. I'm, I'm ready to not be single anymore, and it hasn't happened. The person dealing with health issues questions God's power because, again, God hasn't done the one thing that I've been asking him to do, which is give me healing. The couple that's struggling with financial losses, they're starting to lose their sense of joy in God because like, why are we struggling in the way that we're struggling right now? Why if this verse in Psalm 37 is true, why am I feeling the way that I'm feeling? And you may not think that God should give you every single little desire that you have. I think every single one of us, we kind of know uh, God's not supposed to give me all of that. But I would ask, have you ever been at that place where you've gotten a little bit frustrated, a little bit angry at God? You felt a little bit like a victim because you didn't get all this stuff that you felt like was really what God was supposed to give to you. If I showed a raise of hands, I think most of us would raise our hands. Yes, I've gotten mad at God before because I didn't get everything I was supposed to get. That's a, that's a pretty fair thing that all of us feel at times. But, you know, the amount of times that we, that we hear, okay, God is, God is going to give you the desires of your heart but we don't look at the rest of the stuff that's being said here. Some of the other statements that are said in this passage, do good, take delight in the Lord, commit your way to the Lord. These are just some of the phrases that, that are playing out here and I think can help to start give us a broader context of what David is actually writing to people in this psalm. Now, I would actually contend that the broader context here, it's, it's not about us getting the things that we want, the desires that we want. The broader context here is actually God is trying to take out of our heart the one thing that is probably the most detrimental to us. And that thing is unnecessary worry. We're going to look at the, at, uh, the broader passage, verses 1 through 11, and you're going to see, I want you to kind of pinpoint as we read it, how is God trying to weed out of us the worry 
that, that I think we all deal with. Some of the things that are, that are going to be talked about, worrying about what others are enjoying that we're not getting to enjoy. Worrying about everything that I want right now and I'm not getting it all. Worrying about that point where we get angry and we want to pour out our wrath on other people because things aren't the way that we want them to be. So, now we're going to read through verses 1 through 11, the whole passage here. All right. It says, Do not fret because of those who are evil or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither, like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked plans, their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while. And the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. Now, did you pick up the amount of times that David wrote the phrase, do not fret? Do not fret was said three times throughout this passage. Verse 1, verse 7, verse 8. He's trying to tell us the main, the main theme in this passage is stop worrying. And so it, it it makes a little more sense then when he's like, he's, he's going to give you your desires, but just stop worrying about stuff. Stop worrying. David's trying to emphasize this point that, man, we get, we get too worked up sometimes. We got to keep it cool. Sometimes. Raise your hand if you ever get too worked up every now and then. See, the first service, man, we had people admitting this like crazy. You people need to admit some things in your lives, okay? Man, I get, I get really worked up about stuff sometimes. There are times where I would not like you to see me in my life. Because you'd be like, that's my pastor. That's not great. We get worked up. How, how, do we, how do we keep this theme that he's talking about not worrying? How do we keep that when it feels like the nice guys always finish last? And it's funny, all the people who say the nice guys finish last, they assume that they're one of the nice guys. We aren't always. All right, sometimes we're not that. So when my desires, when the desires of my heart are not being satisfied, what is God saying in Psalm 37 that I should do? Here's what it is. First one, look up. We're going to keep it really, really simple today. There's two points on this, and David keeps it super, super simple. It's not tough. We should be able to figure this out. You see, we focus too much on other people. We look out a lot in our lives. What happens is when we look out, we see everything that everybody else is doing, and oh, look at their life is so great, and mine is so bad. When you look out, you start looking in. When you look out, you start looking in, and you don't like everything that's going on, and so you get frustrated. This psalm is not saying that if you see your neighbor with a big new boat, and it becomes the desire of your heart, that you're going to get it. That's the last thing that this verse is trying to say. It's actually saying... You are not supposed to look out in order to figure out what your desires should actually be. Your desires come from someplace else. Look up. So in verse 1, we see him saying, don't be envious of those who do wrong. We are supposed to change the direction of what it is 
that gives us our desires in the first place. We've got to re-examine why it is that we desire certain things. And a lot of times, verse 1, it's because we become envious of other people, what we're seeing in their lives. Verse 7, get your eyes off the wicked and their quote-unquote blessings. He said, do not fret when people succeed in their ways when they carry out their wicked schemes. It is embarrassing how much I look at other people's success and I'm like, oh, why don't I have that? It could be as simple as looking on social media at somebody, at some family going on a trip, and I'm like, oh, why don't I get to go on that trip? I get all mad. I can't even be happy for people having a fun time because I want it. Again, it's looking out. It's not looking up. The healthier that our desires are going to be so much healthier if we start to look at the right place. Uh, you know, I'm a, I, I would call myself a grill murderer. I have had two grills in the 21 years that I've been married. And you might say, that sounds pretty good. Sounds like you're doing well with grills. You should see how bad my grill is after the first year, though. It's so beat up. So I had the first grill for like 14 years. And the last 13, I don't know how I made anything on it. It was bad. I don't take care of a grill. You know, I'll scrape it off once the grill is on. And I, I don't clean out the, I don't know, the grease thing. I don't know what it's called, you guys. I don't, it's, it is rusting out by like six months in. And for me, it's fine. Like, I'm like, as long as the thing starts and it, and it like grills things semi-efficiently and I can eat the food, Great. Until I go to somebody's house who has bought an amazingly beautiful grill and spent a lot of money on it, and they treat it like it's his little baby. And it's beautiful. It's, and then I eat that burger from that grill, and I go, oh, honey, we got to get a new grill. She's like, it's the, same, it's the same burger that you had yesterday from our house, our grill. But there's something in me. I, I, didn't need, I, I never need a good grill until I see that one grill. There is something also in me that I don't know, it gets a little bit envious. Or honestly, I sometimes I even feel like a little bit of a loser when there are people out there who have a little bit more well-off to-do means and they can get things that I can't get. And what happens, it's weird. I can go years and years of my family and me not having to have that thing. And then I see it and I'm like, that looks awesome. And I really would like that. Looking out changes our desires. Looking out brings us desires that we maybe weren't supposed to have. When looking out at others' successes, I inevitably look in at myself and desire things that maybe aren't even meant for me at the time. There's a lot of things that God has in store for your life. It is not always the thing that your neighbor had, in, had that God has in store for your neighbor. So what is the answer? The answer is stop looking out. Start looking up. Otherwise, what's going to happen is we're going to find ourselves wanting more and more. The desires of our hearts are going to become things that God never meant to be desires in our hearts. Reset your gaze at what you are actually looking upon, and it's going to start to change your heart. David tells us a lot of the pitfalls that come in, verse, in Psalm 37, but he also tells us what it looks like to actually look up instead of look out. Verse 3, he says, trust in the Lord, and he adds in there, do good. Verse 4, he says, delight in the Lord. Verse 5, commit your way to the Lord. And then again, he says, trust in the Lord. Verse 7, he says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Can I tell you how indirect opposition that is to our default position as humans? 
to be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I am not still about anything. Things that I want, like there's an impatience for me. And you know that when you order something on Amazon and it says it's coming the next day and you're like, oh, why is it taking so long? That is not being still and being patient. It is in our human makeup not to know how to be still before God and be patient. Just think how outside the norm it is for you to take that position. God is calling us to a completely different transformation from our human instincts. See, I think for sure God wants to give us the desires of our heart. But this passage has actually given us a real sense of how the, the thing that God really wants to do is he wants to transform the, tra the desires of our hearts. He wants to change what those desires actually are all about. But you and I, we still end up looking around our, ourselves at, our, at the lives around us and we, we see things that we want. We think that God is not being fair to us. We don't think that he's doing everything that we actually deserve. Now, we can get into another route there and, and we can actually talk about what we actually do deserve. What Jesus took on the cross the pain and punishment that he took on the cross, that's what we actually deserve. So every single little blessing that we actually see come our way, that's more than we deserve. We sound a lot of times, I think, like the people that I think David is writing to in Psalm 37. He was talking to people who would become really concerned. They were looking out at, at all of these ungodly people groups that were around him, and they were having, it seemed like everything was coming their way. Everything was working out the way that it, that. They felt it should have been happening for them. And so they were getting angry. They were getting ticked about it. They were looking out. They didn't like what they saw. Verse 1 and 2. David says, Do not be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will wither away. Like green plants, they will soon die away. He's trying to tell me, Guys, whatever they're getting is not going to last. Can we just get to the point where we stop saying things like, Man, I do everything right and, I, and nothing happens good for me, but all these other people, they do all this other bad stuff and, and look at how God has blessed their life. Stop it. Like that's not, if that's what you think is going on, you're not seeing the whole picture. Living, living the right way, can I just say this? Living the right way is actually a reward in itself. One thing that I think was interesting came to my mind this week is the fact that the Bible is really clear that this earth uh, was, was kind of given over to Satan. He has dominion over this earth. So don't you think that if Satan has dominion over this earth, that he is going to try to set up a situation where when you do things in a not godly way, when you've got desires that are not godly, that you're going to find earthly blessing? Yes. It is a trick that Satan tries to play. And he's trying to play it on us who are trying to follow Jesus to go, well, I guess I can do whatever I want to get the things that I want. We need to have a different outlook. It's not just about looking up. It's also about something else. When the desires of my heart are not being satisfied, what is God saying in Psalm 37? First, he's saying, I need to look up. The next thing he's saying, I need to look ahead. Again, I, I, I told you these weren't going to be really complicated. If you're taking notes, that's four words. Look up, look ahead. If you're thinking that God has actually set up a system by which he's trying to hurt you, then you don't know the God that is written about in the Bible. 
God calls you to a certain life and ultimately, ultimately, yes, at the end, looking ahead at everything, ultimately, it is going to be worth it. Choose to find delight in God in the process of the difficulty that you're going through. I think it's such an awesome thing when, when people are able to, to go through difficult situations and they still keep their outlook ahead and they, they find delight in what God is bringing them through. It might be painful, it might be hard. It actually reminds me of something that we do a lot as, as cross-country coaches. We ask these kids to go and run these workouts that I'm telling you, they're awful. Nobody wants to go and run six 1,000s at like as fast a pace as you possibly can with two minutes of rest. And, but here's the thing that we ask the kids to do. We say, the one big thing that we want you to do, don't complain about the workout. And we actually are like, invite the workout. Invite the pain of the workout. Because here's the thing. Take, take the light in the pain of the workout because that is going to make you the better runner so that come race day, you're going to actually do the things that you want to do. It's not going to just make you a better runner. It's going to make you a better person. And so we had a meet this last Thursday, and there were two freshman girls. I'm one of them might have been named Cameron. She might be my daughter. And at the end of the races, two of these freshman girls, they actually were crying tears of joy. It was the sweetest, cutest thing I've ever seen. And they were, they were like, I didn't think that I could do this. I'm just so happy. All this hard work that they put in, they were delighting in the difficulty of it and, and what actually came of it. I'll tell you, one of the girls, she was bawling. It was hilarious. And then at the finish line, Cameron is crying a little bit. And then I look over, and obviously Crystal's got some tears in her eyes. And so I'm like, well, I got to get out of here because this is just too many tears. Because you guys know, I said it last week, I cry at sports things. So if I stayed there for like another second, I was going to be bawling. I didn't want to do that. I'm a coach. Kids got to see me be tough. But I love how they were delighting in the difficulty. Delighting the difficulty because of what it will actually ultimately bring out in you. In other words, look ahead. Look beyond the immediate workout. Look beyond the immediate moment. See where God is actually leading you, because I guarantee you, it will be good. I love how Timothy Keller put it. He said, everything sad is going to come untrue, and it will somehow be greater for having once been broken and lost. I tell you, the day that we get to see Jesus face to face in heaven, I think the the beauty of heaven is going to be all the more beautiful because of what he brought us through. There is something beautiful in God bringing us through the difficulties. And, and, and it's kind of like that, that knife that gets put in the fire so that it can be molded. There's something beautiful in the difficulty. But sometimes we don't, we don't want to think that way. Keep your eyes on that beauty in eternity. Ah. Because it's not, just a, it's not a hopeless endeavor to keep your eyes on that beauty that's coming your way. It is actually an essential tool to finding strength in the difficult times. But obviously for a lot of us, it's really hard to keep, it's, it's hard to keep the looking ahead thing in our brains when all the stuff that's going on right now is really, really difficult. That, it's just not easy. Sometimes we might actually have to ask God to help us in that endeavor. Everything good that happens, it comes from God. And so we need to ask God to help us to look ahead when it's tough to look ahead. There's a commentator that I was reading through this week, and he said something really simple, but I think it was also really profound. He said, it is hard for most of us to take the long view because we are consumed by the present. If we are so consumed in the right now today, it's hard for me to get out of the desires that I'm feeling right now and, and look ahead. 
it's amazing to me. I feel like in our, in our culture right now, the news cycle is so short. I feel like a, a politician could go and commit a felony today, and if they did something good tomorrow, everybody forget about it. Like, it, it's just crazy. The news cycle is about 12 seconds. That's about how much patience we have. It's about how much we remember. And so what happens is, as we're living in such a present, moment-by-moment situation, we are desiring things in the present that were not meant to des- be desired by us one bit. And as that happens, then we look at, okay, God, you're not, you're not fulfilling my desires. Well, it's because our desires aren't where, where they're supposed to be. Psalm 37, 9 through 11, it says, For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while, and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. What tense is David using in those three verses? They're not present tense. They're all future tense. He's saying, yeah, you know what? People doing things the wrong way, they might actually, it might actually look like their life is really awesome right now. But you have an inheritance that you will take part in. You're going to get something. You see, that's the secret to the promise of getting the desires of our heart. The desire of our heart is meant to be nothing more than eternity with God. The desires of our heart is to be God himself. But we make it out to be something different. This is the greatest promise that we've ever been given, that we have an inheritance in Christ. And it's so great that who cares what earthly desire that you might not get right now. In the end, it doesn't even matter. That is a lyric from a Linkin Park song. In the end, it doesn't even matter. I'm just trying to get that in somebody's brain right now. They weren't theologians, but they were speaking some truth on that one. In the end, it doesn't even matter. Delighting in the Lord will give you the desires of your heart because those desires will become godly desires. Those desires will actually become God himself. Uh, That commentator I was uh, reading, he wrote this. If we are delighting in God and longing for God, God will give us himself. That is the beauty in this passage. He's, remember, he's saying, trust in me, delight in me, commit your ways to me. He's saying, come to me, and I am not going to keep myself from you. That is the promise here. If the desire of your heart becomes me, if the desire of your heart becomes Jesus, you're going to get that desire every single time. I don't know about you, but I want God to become my one true desire. But here's the truth. A lot of times he's in the way far back. He's taking a back seat. In fact, sometimes I'm not even driving a sedan. I'm driving a bus and he's in the back seat. That's what it feels like. But if God becomes my one true desire, man, I'm going to have the desires of my heart taken care of. To delight in something means that you find joy or you take pleasure in that thing or in that person. And there are a lot of things that we commonly delight in that are not Jesus. Our spouses, our kids, our prized possessions, sometimes even the sinful stuff that we do, we take delight in. But find joy in Jesus, and your desires are going to change. Here's something great that I think that we can take from this passage. God really does say that he is going to give us the desires of our hearts. But here's the the caveat. He's also saying, I kind of want to transform your desires a little bit. 
I don't want you just to desire what everybody else desires. Don't even think about them. Don't look out at what other people are getting. That is not the thing that you're meant to desire. Trust in me. Delight in me. Commit your ways to me. Then I promise you, your desires are going to be right, they're going to be healthy, and you're going to get your desires. Following Jesus is a transformative process. He wants to transform what you delight in. He wants to transform what you place your desires in. You see, Jesus, when he was living in, in, uh, in this world that we live in, he had one mission, and that was to bring glory to his Father. That was his only mission in life. And so even that day when he was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was going to be arrested, it was not his desire to go to the cross. That human in him, it was not his desire. And so he prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. What he was saying in that moment was, Lord, this isn't my desire, but if it's your desire, it's my desire. There's a lot of situations in our lives where we could say that. God, this is not what I'm desiring, but if there's something that you want me to do in this moment, if there's some way that you want to grow me in this moment, then it's my desire. My desire is you. Jesus wants to transform our desires to be all about God and not about us. Delighting in the Lord looks a lot different than delighting in what the rest of the world delights in. Delighting in the Lord is trusting in His plan. It's trusting in His purposes for your life. When things don't go the way that you hope, it's, it's re-examining why you hoped in that so much. Re-examining what those desires are and realizing that maybe you misplaced those desires. Today, what are you, what are you looking up to God about? When it comes to your desires, what are you looking up to God at? Are your desires messed up because all you've been doing is looking out at the world around you, seeing what they have, and you're wanting stuff that you're not supposed to want? Are you looking ahead at all? When you feel like your desires aren't being met, is it just because you're living right now in the moment that you're living in? And you're not looking ahead. You're not seeing that there's a desire that's being met on a grander scale. So the main question I got for you to think through today is, what desires in you need to be transformed today? What are the desires in you that are anything but God? Because the one thing that this passage is saying to us, it's if you make God your desire, he'll give you that desire. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.